The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Welcome to the TNF Hotline on the Knapsack Files. Your calls, your voice, your thoughts, and your host, Ken Knapsack. Well, hello there. It's the Knapsack Files Hotline, episode six. We're here, May. We skipped April. Why? It was my birthday month. I could do what I want. Why are you poking your finger at me? But we're back. We have your calls here on the TNF Hotline number. The Google Voice Message Box I've set up. And if you are a Patreon supporter at level three or above, you get access to that hotline number. You can leave me a call with a question, a comment, a thought starter, and then that's it. Simple concept. I dive on in to what's going on in a beautiful Burbank, May. I should write more songs about Burbank. It's a beautiful Burbank, May. Uh, No, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) How about enough of me singing? And how about more of you calling in and asking questions? Hi, Ken. It's Matthew over at uh, Sackville, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, I've got a question for you this month. Uh, What do you do to stay refocused after uh, being away or or going on a break? Uh, I went on vacation, and since I've been back, I haven't really been able to get refocused on my work. And so I'm wondering what kind of uh, advice you might have for me. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, Matthew calling in from Canada looking for focus. How do you get focused? How do I get focused? Well, I lose focus often. I'd say focus is one of the hardest things for me. Hey, look, a dog. Ah, it's one of the hardest things for me to keep. And I don't have, at least to my knowledge, any form of ADD, old onset ADD, anything like that. I've seen it. I get it. Not me. I can focus when I want to focus. I think my sometimes my lack of focus actually comes from laziness, procrastination, or other sources like that. So when I know I need focus, or specifically to what Matthew's talking about here, where you go away for a much-needed vacation, which is something we all should do. At one point, we should all, like once a year at least, at least you should intentionally lose focus. That's a good thing. The reset button. Blowing on the Nintendo cartridge of life. And resetting and reloading is a good thing. But coming back, yes, there's always an issue of how do you get focused? How do you get back in? Whether it is a day job or a uh, career in an office, a career uh, working on cars, whether it's uh, high in an office building, low on the ground, doesn't matter what it is. Or if it's something like I do, Uh, Something creative. And not that, well, that's kind of mean of me to say, right? Like, sitting in an office, you aren't creative. Ken, you're a jerk. You're right. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean out there. You need to get back to it, right? You need to find your focus. I ease into it. I don't necessarily recommend that. That's probably not the right thing. You're probably supposed to get back up on that horse Get on the the diving board and cannonball back into life. I can't do it. At my old job when I was a security director, very much in an office, and very much at times not creative, and very much at times, well, creative. I used to write things there. I'll have you know. Wrote a lot of training manuals. Wrote a lot of 
uh, ERP, emergency response plans, all that kind of stuff. So I was creative. But you go away, sometimes even just for the weekend, but you go away for a couple of days and you get off that grind again. You should, you should, you should. Then you come back and I would find, I was the worst person to be around, like the first half day back from vacation. Because people, whether it was colleagues, coworkers, employees, customers, uh, it didn't matter. Family, didn't matter. If you asked me up to like 2 o'clock on the first day I was back to work after an extended absence, if you asked me, hey, how was your vacation? I'd stab you. I would be so grumpy, so wrong of me, so wrong of me. But I, w- I would sit, I, w- I would just like, I w- how do you, it was great. And now I'm back here. What are you asking me for? And, and unless you think, if you know me enough, you know that, hey, maybe that's, oh, it was kind of just your day job. You didn't want to go back to your j- day job. Oh, no, no. There were times I, I'd leave, you know, Collider Screen Junkies for a little vacation. I come back. How was, how was, how was the trip? Shut up. I'm going to punch you. Sometimes I'm a little grumpy. So what I knew, what that told me, is to dive back in to regain that focus. To Matthew's question, I... I needed to break it down into small, small pieces, small, small steps, and try to figure out how, how to get back to the grind, how to find that momentum. So I'd intentionally make it small, small, tiny things. If it was back in the, the office job, let me open up five emails after I get my first cup of coffee, go for a little stroll. I had that ability, had that freedom at the job. Go get coffee, stroll around, come back. Have five emails. Then when I'm done with those five emails, I will leave my office. I will do something else. I will check social media. Didn't matter. Five things. All right, did that. Then the next thing. And then the big project, I had the big project to get to that week. I would uh, chip away at it slowly or completely hide it. I wouldn't worry about it the first day back. When it comes to more creative endeavors, things I do now, Things that you might think, well, I'll take certain kind of brain power, right? They all, they all take brain, brain power. But, you know, you, you come back. I just recently went to Vegas, right, for a convention. Covered a convention, the Cauliflower Alley Club. Had a lot of fun out there. Did some shows. Did some Patreon journal-like shows out there. If you're a Patreon supporter, you got to hear that. Uh, then you come back. And even though I'm freelance now, and even though I can kind of make up my own life and schedule, you got to get back into the grind, so it was like something I let it kind of slowly start. Maybe I sleep in that next day. The old adage, I need a vacation from my vacation. It rings true. There's some truth to that. Point being to all of this, and me trying to answer your question here, Matthew, is I'm never too hard on myself when it comes to like immediately regaining focus. By 12 noon on the first day back, I am not going to be at full speed. And I'm not going to force myself to be. I'm not going to expect myself to be. By Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, I'm all up and running. Back in the groove. And I like getting back in the groove. I like regaining my focus. Especially when it's creative. I I have a lot of post-it notes. And then I forget them. It used to be a little, a little bit of my reputation back at the old job. I'd have a computer screen, and like around it would be 42 post-it notes. On Tuesday, do this. Don't forget Thursday, file that form. Talk to so-and-so. Here's a number to return. 
I'd be like, to who, to what? Didn't know. I had a phone number there. And then about once a month, about once every two months at worst, I'd go back and I'd go through these stack of post-it notes and be like, what did half these notes mean? I lost focus. So I like getting back to that, though. I like making notes. I like I have things on my refrigerator. I have my iPhone note reminders all set up. I've gotten better at setting like specific times so that they go off. And if I'm ignoring them, that's fine. If I'm snoozing on the reminders on my phone, at least I'm acknowledging it. And then it got to the point, you got to know your weaknesses, right, Matthew? You got to know your weaknesses. If your weakness is losing focus, put it in front of you so you can't run away from it. I have these reminders on my phones. I got a little whiteboard, a little dry erase board, put it on my refrigerator. And I make a list there. And then when I start to ignore it, I set a a reminder to go look at the refrigerator. I have reminders to remind myself of the reminders. But I know my weaknesses. I know that it's what I got to do. I like when you get it back up to speed. There you get back into the routine. We can all find the new normals. And sometimes those new vacation normals can take over. And we want to avoid that. So focus is important, especially... Uh, in the field I'm in, because as f- a freelancer, as someone who sets his own schedule, so to speak, you know, have to hustle and look for work, the focus can be easily lost and never found again. It's the worst thing. If you got you look ahead, got some bills paid for, you're like, I think it's looking all right. I can sit down. I'll just play this video game for an hour, four hours, six hours. All right, my day's gone. You can lose focus that easily if you're that type of person. I know other people that are hyper-focused, and I envy them. Though sometimes they envy me, my ability. Just take a breath and relax. So, Matthew, did that help? Maybe it helped you to know that I fail to regain my focus more than I regain it. As Yoda said, there's lessons in failure, and also focus regain you need to. Yoda's hard to quote. I think that was from Last Jedi. Next caller. Hello, Ken. This is Andy from Dallas once again. I hope all is well with you. Uh, in recent light of you launching the Ken Asok Spotify playlist, I would like to ask you this. When you are being introduced to a new artist or musician, would you rather listen to a single by that person or a full album. Thank you, and take care. Andy Dallas, check it back in with a great call here. Number one, he's doing he's doing my job for me, promoting something new that's over on the Patreon page. At the lowest level, the $1 level, go to the phones. No, $1 level, I've added something called Kazok Radio Playlist. Once a month, I will release a private Spotify playlist of songs that I'm either listening to now, that I've listened to my entire life, songs that tell a story, a playlist that tells a story, a mood, highlights a certain set of artists or an artist. I put it out there and then also do a corresponding Patreon little write-up. And uh, that way, you know, if you don't have Spotify, I have the free version, but uh, I haven't upgraded yet. I might one day. But even if you don't have Spotify, don't want Spotify, whatever, you got a list of the songs. You can go track them down any way you want. Uh, YouTube, iTunes, going to a store and buying the CDs or the records like the old style one. I was I was in an Urban Outfitters the other day and they were selling cassette tapes. We fought wars to get away from this technology, people, while you bringing it back. But anyways... The Kazakh Radio 
uh, playlists are uh, up and running now on my Patreon page, the $1 level. That's the lowest tier. Jump on in if you like music. So Andy asked a question that's near and dear to my heart. We talked last week on Life Rank with Thad Williams about our favorite bands of the 90s. That's that's me and my nostalgia place, my warm, gooey nostalgia uh, cave. But there are new artists. There are always new artists. There's always new songs. There's always new albums. I used to live in fear. In fact, I probably still live in fear. But there was a time when I was so into music. My friend Jay Arrett, who's been on the Knapsack Files, talking music with me, uh, and I had referenced it. At the time, he was called, he was this character called Jay from Pasadena in my uh, Tiny Mixtapes uh, days when he used to write for the uh, that music webzine. It would be Jay from Pasadena, and now he's no longer lives in Pasadena, but, he, but he's still my friend Jay. He once told me, he's like, I live in fear that my favorite song is still out there, that the song that will change my life is a, is a buried B-side on a single or a track nine on an album I haven't heard. Maybe I've heard the artist, but I haven't heard the album. I haven't dug deep enough to find it. When will I find it, and when will I know, and will I know if I never find it? If you're not a music file, if you're not one of those... Uh, crazy music fans and collectors featured in like the book and the movie High Fidelity, then maybe you don't get it. Maybe you're like, whatever. But I think most people out there uh, love music, no matter what style, no matter what genre, no matter what age, there's something about music we all can connect to. And so if you're the type of person that wants to find your favorite song, you are always going to be on the lookout for new artists, new bands. So to Andy's question, it's a great question. How do I like to be introduced to new bands? I think more often than not, it is the hit single. It is the catchy track. And that is whether I'm listening to them on radio, like now I listen to KCSN 88.5 FM here in LA, and you can stream it. They have an app, great station for your music fam. Uh, maybe you want to listen to Oh Wow, which is John Gorman's station, online streaming station out of Ohio. John, John Gorman is one of the all-time great program directors in rock radio history. Uh, we used to program WMMS in Cleveland, The Buzzard. He's got to say you can listen to Fully Functional Radio Station. has a, has a web, an app called Oh Wow. However you get your new music, I don't know. Maybe it's a friend who says, hey, have you heard this band? At some point, it doesn't matter to me. What I like to have come across my desk first is the hit single, Andy. It is the big song. It is the one that the band and maybe the A&R people in the record company think this is the one that will pull people in. Now, there's something certainly fun about sharing the B-side. Big Oasis fan, as you guys know, especially if you listen to last week's show, some of my favorite songs, B-sides, Noel Gallagher, Love writing a, a good B-side. It, it's because he's, I think, because he's a Beatle fan, and some great songs are Beatle B-sides. B-sides used to mean a lot more in the music industry. Singles used to mean a lot more, but now it's about airplay or on Spotify. But I always go to the first single. Again, usually that's what finds you. You hear a song on the radio that's catchy. Who's the artist? Well, it's Revolution by Van William. Former frontman of Port O'Brien and Waters. Ooh, I like that song. Let me get the album. What's the other tracks on there? The single pulls me in. And sometimes that's it. That's the single. That's the one. And you listen to the rest of the album, and you're like, eh, the single, there's a reason they chose the single. Or in the case of someone like my now buddy Van William, you hear another one of the songs. Track one on his album was uh, right away. Brings it up. Before I met you. 
And that's featured this month on the Kazak radio playlist. I was like, all right, he's got the single revolution featuring first aid kit. Great. That's pulled me in. It's crossed 5 million uh, downloads and listens on Spotify. This song's got the chops. But this other one, if I was still on radio, that's the song I'd play next. And sure enough, that actually was the next single. So that's what I do. Very rarely do I just find a band via the name and then decide to go in blindly to their albums. I've done that before. I've absolutely done that before. There was an artist by the name of Patty Rothberg, was, she's still going, and in 1996 she released an album, I believe it was called Between the One and the Nine, a New York reference, little subway, she used to busk in the subways. And I just was walking by one day in a circuit city, which used to exist and used to sell compact discs for your listening pleasure, and I was perusing the albums, looking at and I just saw this album. Picked it up. Between the one and the nine, Patty Rothberg. I don't know. I just had a feeling. I just had a feeling, so I put it on in. I love the album. It's still one of my favorites. Great album. And eventually got some radio airplay, so I found it first. So I do occasionally dive in blind, but for the most time, you're going to hear a band. Dawes. Dawes is a great band. I love Dawes. Uh, things I've heard first, though, uh, is, is their singles. And then it was like, ah, I like what's going on here. Let me go listen to an album. Maybe sample it on iTunes. Now you can do it on Spotify. Boom, I like it. Purchase. Add to cart. I'm big with purchasing music. Very much, very much big into that. But occasionally, it is the album, and it's actually maybe more fun that way, to be honest, Andy. Noah and the Whale comes to mind. It's a band that I love. I think they're no longer together, unfortunately. Uh, UK-based band named after uh, Noah Bombeck and Squid and the Whale. Noah and the Whale. And their first album is uh, one of the favorite albums of my good friend and writing partner, Matt Key, host of the Wednesday Club over on Alpha for Geek and Sundry. And I didn't, uh, their single was Five Years Time. Eventually I learned that. I didn't know that at the time. Matt just said, oh, I love this band. You should, it's really thought-provoking stuff as well as catchy pop rock. Check it out. He made me a copy of the album, I believe, back in the day. Ooh, and I'm okay with that because eventually I'll buy the album for myself. And that's what I did. And so there you go. Though the single initially uh, was not present for me, it, 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 I could figure out what it was five years' time. And that one got all the radio airplay at the time. But I discovered them by listening to the album in full, track one to the last track. I believe they even had an old hidden track. I think, or maybe the last song just was so long, it seemed like a hidden track. Hidden tracks. Another fun part of music that's not as, not as big anymore because albums just aren't as listened to anymore or not, not as sought after anymore. Maybe they'll make a comeback. I know LPs are kind of making a comeback. That's not as bad. That's better than cassettes. LPs, the sound quality is great. Cassettes, not so much. I still have a tape deck, though, in my car. Not working. I can fix it up, and we can listen to some cassettes together. So, long story short, you guys, once I start talking about music, if you listen to last week's uh, Life Rank with Ad Williams about our, be- our favorite bands of the 90s, um, I almost said best, but we specifically did not title it best. We titled it our favorite. Uh, you can see, I go and I go and I go. 
Now I'm just talking about artists. But anyways, great question. How do you guys discover and dig in to new artists? Do you like hearing a single first? Do you like finding the album? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Let me know. Reach out. Hashtag the Knapsack Files. I want to hear what you guys do. I also want to hear the next call. Hello, Ken. Uh, this is Miranda from Kelso, Washington. Huge fan. Um, I'm also a lifelong Seattle Mariners fan, and I love hearing you talk about baseball. Um, recent news about Robbie Cano. What a devastating disappointment, but that's a story for later. I wanted to talk about um, my favorite baseball player of all time, the first guy I ever really rooted for, um, Edgar Martinez, uh, current hitting coach for the Mariners. Great career, has an award named after him, but for some reason they won't vote him into the Hall of Fame because he was a career DH. Uh, your thoughts on that? He's got one more year on the ballot. He almost made it in this year. Um, Love the show. Keep talking. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Miranda from Kelso, Washington, calling in. Love the Pacific Northwest. And she's got a baseball question. And if you guys think I love talking about music and recapturing my love for talking about music here on some of the Knapsack Files shows, whew, the, the TNF hotline has uh, really allowed me to talk about baseball more than anything else. It's kind of funny. I don't know how that worked out. I know Andy from Dallas, the good old Texas Rangers fan that he is, will call in some baseball questions. This time it was about music. Thank you, Andy. Miranda's got the baseball call. So whether you're a sports fan or not, dive on into this conversation with me. Two-part question, three-part call, actually. Miranda is a big Seattle Mariners fan, and I am a New York Yankee fan. Uh, I am a California-born New York Yankee fan, fell in love with the Yankees in fourth grade, as some of you may know. I I do like the Seattle Mariners. Again, I just like the Pacific Northwest. I like the rain. I like pine trees. It just would make sense that I'd like that area, right? Oregon's a big baseball state. Washington's got its love of baseball as well. Seattle Mariners, good team. In fact, in 1989, Miranda, I went and saw the Kansas City Royals play the Seattle Mariners at the Seattle Kingdom in downtown Seattle. George Brett on the field. Brian Holman, I believe, pitching for the Mariners. Alvin Davis on first base. Harold Reynolds, second base. Jim Presley at third base. Maybe Rafael Quinones at shortstop for the Mariners. Dave Valley, probably the catcher. Ken Griffey Jr., young rookie in 89. Yep, yep, yep. And Bo Jackson. I saw Bo Jackson play. I've talked about this with Josh McCuga several times off air. Saw Bo, Bo Jackson play. Not only play, saw Bo Jackson hit a home run. Bo Jackson says hello, as Vince Scully once said in the 1989 All-Star Game that year. It was a great feat. Love it. Special place in my heart for the Mariners. And, and uh, they don't play in the kingdom anymore, but that area. Two-part question, though. Two-part, uh, another two parts uh, to the call, I should say, from Miranda. She's talking about Robbie Cano, big second baseman for the Mariners, recently suspended for uh, performance-enhancing drugs, PEDs, former New York Yankee star. That wasn't her question, wasn't her comment. But I got to say, I don't, I don't encourage cheating. I don't encourage the use of drugs to improve your performance, improve your physique, but I'm going to say something that some of you might not agree with. I don't care. 
I don't care if ball players do it. Don't care if football players do it. They all do it. I come from uh, the world of professional wrestling, both as a fan and being in locker rooms. Yep, there's a lot of that going on there, too, even nowadays. I don't officially condone it, and I do not understand how you could sit down and tell your young child who loves sports or loves wrestling that a lot of their favorite athletes are getting there through means that aren't particularly honest. It's a tough area. And at the end of the day, probably side on, hey, don't do it, don't cheat. But be honest with you, the ball player wants to take something that makes him hit the ball far and he gets a lot of money and I cheer, life goes on for me. They can deal with the uh, moral ramifications and even sometimes the physical ramifications later. That's not something I spend a lot of time worrying about, but interesting. Again, Miranda didn't ask me about that, but she mentioned Robbie Cano, and that's why she she had a little sad tone in her in her voice, which I understand. Ruins my fantasy team sometimes. Last year, Starling Marte and the Pirates went down for PEDs. Affected my fantasy team for sure. Oh, Ken, you're so self-centered. I understand. Her final question, though, her final comment, her main point of her phone call, which I appreciate very much, Miranda, is the designated hitter, and Edgar Martinez, and how it all relates to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So in around, what was it, 72, 73, my brain fades, Uh, the American League, there's the American National League, they comprise Major League Baseball and have since, uh, well, what, uh, what was it, 1903, 1905, roughly around there is when they played each other in the World Series. There was actually two competing leagues. Eventually, they formed under Major League Baseball, but American and National League, blah, blah, blah. Watch Ken Burns' documentary on baseball. 1972 or 73, to bump ratings, to bump attendance, to bump offense, to make it more exciting, the American League decided to adopt the designated hitter, which means the pitcher, which still to this day bats in the National League, does not pick up a bat in the American League, in American League parks during interleague play. Someone who is a designated hitter does. Ron Bloomberg was the first one officially for the New York Yankees. First one to register and at bat as a designated hitter. Since then, it's become a staple of baseball, a staple of the American League. Baseball purists hate it. I grew up with it already existing. So by the time I really got into baseball in 1987, the DH in the American League was just something. It was just a thing. It was just something that was there. I've heard that it might go away. I've heard that the National League might adopt the designated hitter to, again, improve offense, which many believe improves ratings and and attendance. Hasn't happened yet. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it stays the same. But the question of Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame is a good question because he is, without a doubt, one of the best hitters of all time in baseball. Pure stroke from the right side. Great numbers. Back in an era where some of the numbers weren't as inflated, then they hit that kind of era, but he still stayed strong, stayed clean as far as we know, and retired. Now, he started his career as a third baseman. In fact, I have his 1989 Fleer baseball card, where Edgar Martinez is listed as a third baseman. He was never a great fielder. DH became the place to be. And then he had some injuries, made it even more hard to comprehend putting him at third or even first base. He stayed a DH most of his career. 
The baseball purists still don't like it. It's not a complete player. He goes out, he hits, he sits back down on the bench, waits for his next turn to hit. He doesn't have to worry about pitching. He doesn't have to worry about fielding. Doesn't have to worry about defense. You could be like Edgar Martinez and not be good at defending and not have the ability to defend maybe due to injuries. And all you do is hit. Quote, all you do is hit. Hitting is still one of the most hardest things in sports. So I am all for players like Edgar Martinez going in the Hall of Fame simply because I grew up with the designated hitter as a thing. It already existed. I didn't really understand the controversy because when I was born, it was already there. And when I got into baseball, it was definitely there. And there was players I liked. The designated hitter extended the careers of players who would otherwise had to have retired early, like Dave Parker, the Cobra, Hal McRae on the Royals. Paul Molitor of the Twins, Blue Jays, and Brewers. Time the Brewers in the American League. He was a second baseman, shortstop, third baseman. Uh, when I started watching baseball in the mid to late 80s, we started as a second baseman. But age, some injuries, moved him to the DH, and he finished his career as a very successful designated hitter. And I think got into the Hall of Fame because of the numbers he was able to accrue while DHing. It's different for someone like Dave Parker, who started his career with the Pirates and was a feared outfielder, did it all, big arm, MVP of what, the 79 All-Star Game in Seattle. Um, Dave Parker played the last few years of his career, right? And that's something that people, you just kind of accept it. All right, DH is where you stick the, the veterans or the guys who can't really play the game to the best of all their all-around ability. Then, like... Edgar Martinez and then Frank Thomas comes along. Now, Frank Thomas of the White Sox played first base a lot, but he spent a large bulk of his career as a designated hitter. He's Hall of Fame worthy. Is he? He might actually be in the Hall now. Lost track a little bit. Molitor is. So, will Edgar Martinez get in? It might be as a v- voted in by the veteran committee, Miranda. I think baseball v- voters are still mostly comprised of old school purists, and they'll look at Edgar Martinez and clearly have looked at Edgar Martinez and said, well, he wasn't a complete player. He didn't play the field. I think that time will eventually change. You would think he would be the one. You're right. There's an award named after him for the best DH. So we'll see. I'm rooting for him because I do like him. In fact, weird footnote, Edgar Martinez, currently my hitting coach, on MLB The Show for the Yankees. That's right. I signed him to a four-year contract as my hitting coach. Yes, I'm talking about a video game as if it's real. Miranda, thank you for the call. Thank you for letting me talk about baseball. Thanks for you out there listening. If you're still listening because you're not a baseball fan, I apologize, but I do love baseball. It's part of me, and it's an interesting conversation. I hope. Final call of the day. Hey, Ken, this is Kai. I wanted to know if you could interview anybody in the history of time on your podcast. Who would it be and why? Here it is. It's a big question. Kai's got it. Closing out the show. If I could go to any point in history and interview anybody on the Knapsack Files podcast feed, what would it be? This is like the, if you could have lunch with anybody in history question. And it's tough. That's a tough one. Because you want to go, well, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, um, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, big, famous, influential people, Gandhi, I don't know. You want to go that route. Those aren't bad answers, not wrong answers. But 
I mean, it's kind of like, well, yeah, because they're important. They change things. So I don't want to go too far into, like, my personal tastes, right? But if you're asking me, these are my answers. You might have a different answer. If you want to sit down with Jesus, maybe you need to start your own podcast and build a time machine. I'm all for it. I think I'll talk to him later, if you know what I mean. Who do I want to interview? Well, there's some actual dream celebrity guests now. Not that they all have to be celebrities, by the way. Uh, Ryan Adams, my favorite music artist. Liz Fair. I think it's possible, too. If I did some research or I tagged her in a tweet, who knows? I could get either of them. I, Ryan Adams was at the, at the solo premiere, and I just didn't want to talk to him. I was too afraid to talk to him. Uh, so there's people like that. Mark Hamill, I did get to talk to him on the schmoes, no, via the telephone, you know, that'd be kind of fun, all that kind of stuff. Harrison Ford. But if we're talking about time, at any point in time, I think I'd be fascinated to interview the people that I look to as creative influences or content creators that I enjoy or just uh, influences in, in some shape, form, or another and go to the point in time where they hadn't had it all figured out. Big Beatles fan. So I'd like to go interview the Beatles, say, in Hamburg in 1960 while they were being yelled at by the German promoters to mock show, mock show, and get on stage and dance and sing and find themselves all dressed in hot, sweaty leather. That would be when I'd want to talk to the Beatles. What's your mindset before you change the world? Did you know? Did you have an inkling? Were you, as John used to tell them all the time, and ask them like a mantra, we're going to the toppermost of the poppermost. Did they know? I'd like to go to Northern California about 1972, 73, when George Lucas was sitting down with a pad of paper to scrawl out his new Flash Gordon-like space movie. It's been so well documented, but to actually talk to him at that point in time. Did he know? Did he believe? Was it just something he was like, screw it, let's try it and see what happens? I'd like to talk to Steve Martin when he walked away from stand-up comedy. His great book, Born Standing Up, gives you probably all the insight you need. But, man... I'd really like to sit down with him for an hour. What was in your mind? What was really the driving factor? And how did you feel when you walked away from one of the biggest stand-up comedy careers of all time and embarked on a new endeavor? That's where I'd want to go. And if you're talking about historical figures, again, there's some good ones you can go talk to, learn from, get in their mindset. But oddly enough, my answer... If I had to choose, like, historical figure, I'd choose Ulysses S. Grant. That's right, the 18th president of the United States of America. General of the Civil War for the uh, Union. Why? Why? Do I think he's some wonderfully great man? No. Wasn't a bad man. Some problems, drinking problems specifically, but did all right. No, I... Why don't you interview Ulysses S. Grant because I had to do a book report on him when I was young. And for whatever reason, 
It's embedded in my brain. The research I had to do back when, oh, bear with me, children, I had to pull the encyclopedias off the shelf and actually sit there and research and write something about Ulysses S. Grant. I didn't necessarily like doing those kind of book reports and biography uh, kind of uh, reports and all that kind of stuff that you did as a, as a kid. It was writing, after all, and even though I'm a writer, or part of me is a writer, it's still uh, it's homework, and I've always hated homework. But for whatever reason, I have vivid memories. There's a lot of time of my young uh, youth up in uh, Arroyo Grande, California. There's a lot of th- times that are just fuzzy. I don't remember. I remember some moments, but they all kind of fall into one little bowl of nostalgia and wispy memories, right? Wispy, fading memories. But sitting down on the old Commodore 64 and working on a biography of Ulysses S. Grant is still in my brain. Ken Burns' documentary on Civil War is great, spectacular. Check it out if you haven't. And the moments that he highlights Ulysses S. Grant, there's a part of me that kind of gets giddy. I'm like, that's the guy I wrote a, wrote a report on as a kid. So if I had a time machine, yep, I'd like to go talk to George Lucas as he creates Star Wars. John, George, Paul, and Ringo, and even Pete Best, while they try to figure out what being a Beatle was, Steve Martin, as he tried to figure out who Steve Martin was now. Yep, those are all good. And you can have your Jackie Robinsons, your Martin Luther King Juniors, your John F. Kennedys, your Abraham Lincolns. You can go to those important historical figures. But I want to sit down with Ulysses S. Grant, Explain to him first what the technology uh, that uh, we're recording on is and just talk to him and say, one day I'm going to write a book report about you and it's never going to leave my brain. Thanks for the call, Kai. Thanks for the call, Andy. Thanks for the call, Matthew. And thanks for the call, Miranda. Love it. Y'all have done good. If you're out there listening, you want to be part of the TNF Hotline shows, you can join the Patreon page. Check it out at patreon.com slash the Knapsack Files. $3 level will get you access to the TNF Hotline as well as the weekly bonus show, five extra minutes, monthly Patreon show, the Spotify playlist, which is now once a month, all that stuff, and a lot more over on Patreon. Check it out if you want. If you don't want, that's just as fine, just as well, just as good. Just share this show. Tell a friend. Let them know that you like what you're hearing. You can follow me on Twitter at Cadnapsock. Go to Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cadnapsock, and... We'll see you next time on the Knapsack Files Hotline.